Hey, this is Dead Air, the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for the official releases. Jerry Garcia's guitar alligator has a new home, and we are going to be speaking with the owner. My name is Andy Logan, and I live in Woodside, California. Grew up back east. I'm an avid fan and started collecting guitars a little over 12 years ago. We're also going to be talking with the auctioneer who was actually on the phone with Andy Logan when he placed that winning bid. My name is Giles Moon, and I'm the director of music memorabilia at Bonhams. We were absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to, to sell such a fantastic collection. It was uh, around 80 lots that were previously owned by Jerry Garcia and uh, were being sold by his wife, Deborah Coons Garcia. So um, the the highlight of the auction uh, was obviously Alligator Guitar, which was a guitar that was given to Jerry, we believe, by Graham Nash back in around 1970. The story goes that Jerry had played guitar on one of Graham Nash's albums, and as a thank you, Graham Nash found this guitar in a pawn shop in uh, San Antonio in Texas. It's been reported that Graham Nash bought it at a pawn shop for $250 supposedly paid only about $250 for it. So that's how the legend goes anyway. He gave it to Jerry and then it became Jerry's number one guitar. You go to see the Stones play and every song they're swapping out guitars for Keith Richards or whatever. And I kind of get that, I will say. And now having played a bunch of guitars, I can see how you might decide that, oh, this guitar sounds really sweet for Bertha, and this is a really good one for, you know, Scarlet or whatever. So I totally could understand, you know, if you have a bunch of guitars, why not, right? Show them all off during the, during the show. They're all going to come out to you perfectly in tune. But on the other hand, you know, Jerry was such a technician with his instrument. I mean, clearly that was his, the other take on this is do a deep dive on one guitar, right? Where you just know it so well and you're, you know, you're working the volume knob and you're working the tone knobs and you're working the pickup selector switches. And he was able to do that and know each instrument so well even though he had to tune it himself and, and he didn't get sort of the cachet maybe of swapping it every time, you know, for a new cool looking guitar. It was, it is interesting that he would, he did such a deep dive on these things. Jerry's number one guitar between 1971 and 73 uh, used it on the Europe 72 tour. Just the amount of people that have said, that Europe 72 was a really important album and getting them in interested in the music. And having that guitar used in that tour you know, makes it super special. And then it appeared on the, uh, the Europe 72 album. If you look at the videos and the time and how creative he was and his albums in the early 70s, um, the fact that he was playing that guitar is, makes it really special as well. Also, the, the first quote unquote I believe the first of the named Jerry Garcia guitars you know we know there are there are several out there that have um, that he played in later years and when you think of Wolf and Tiger and Rosebud and Lightning Bolt but we believe this was the first one called Alligator I mean it's not a custom guitar because it's a it's a Frankenstrat but it's still it has a name right Alligator <laughs> so I'm only just learning one of the things that's unique about it is that it's it's new even though it's old it's new to us now, no one's kind of known for sure where it was all these years. 
we really haven't known exactly what it was. If you look at the Garcia website, as an example, jerrygarcia.com, you know, which is run by the family, it says the guitar is a 57 neck with a 63 body. So people were wondering, you know, what is it really? You know, is the body truly 50 or 63? And is the, is the neck a 57? Are those reversed? You know, I've seen some speculation on dead forums that that was actually wrong and it was reversed, that it was an early 60s neck and a 50s body. But I can tell you that we looked at it. And we were able to take the neck off and, and see where they would write, you know, dates. And it is a 55 neck and a 55 body. So we know a lot more just in two days than we knew a few months ago. We were expecting a lot of interest. I think we were pretty blown away by the level of interest because pretty much everything that we'd um, that we placed in the auction that we'd estimated far exceeded our estimates. When I was thinking about the budget for the auction, just with Wolf going for 1.9. You know, I just thought there's no way it's this is going to go for seven hundred fifty thousand up to a million. You know, without even blinking. You know, it's just going to fly. But I said to myself, okay, well, what would I kick myself if it went for and I didn't make a bid on it? And so that's why I put the budget um, for myself at four hundred. It flew through all the the smaller numbers on it went on twenty k increments. I think the first bid I made on it was two eighty. And I was like, well, it's fun to bid. I'll make a bid, right? You know, so <laughs> so I threw that out. And then I remember, um, I think at three, um, yeah, 380 was the last bid. So 360 uh, came to me, 360. And I was like, well, I get to make a 380. I get to make one more bid and then it's going to fly beyond. And so um, I said 380 and then quickly it was 400. And then um, the auctioneers over the phone, because I did this over the phone, he said, it's 420 to you. And it just, you know, it just hit me because there's such a magic with the dead, you know. There's so many weird coincidences that happen. And being a big fan of 420 going back uh, to the early 90s, um, I was like, oh, my God, I, I have to say yes to 420, right? And the auction guy um, laughed and he totally agreed with me. He's like, yeah, so what the hell, 420. I did actually happen to have the, the winning bidder of, the, uh, of Alligator on the phone. And then the room went silent. And then there were some giggles, you know, and I could hear people kind of laughing about the notion of 420. I could hear over the phone and, and the auctioneer checked with the online bidding and then no, no more phone bids and no more, you know, in the room. And, and then that was it. He was super excited. Um, he was, he, he, he was absolutely blown away. And he said, it's yours. And I was, I, yeah, I got emotional. He, he was absolutely blown away and he was speechless to begin with when he realized that he'd actually won it. I have one buddy who was in there at the end, and he said to me that something told him just to stop, which is weird. I don't know if it's because it was 420 or why, um, in his case. And I, and I don't know why um, it didn't go for more. And, and maybe other people felt like, oh my God, Wolf went for 1.9. There's no point even, you know, throwing my hat in the ring. It, it could be that. You know, I, I just don't know why it happened. The other thing I'm wondering is if, if in the shape that it was in with the missing volume pot and it's definitely had a, uh, it's been well used, right? Um, so um, it's not like 
wolf or tiger um, or rosebud where, you know, you look at it and you think, even if you weren't a dad, right? If you just saw, like, if you opened up a chest that you pulled out of the ground and you saw a tiger or a rosebud, you'd be like, oh my God, that thing's cool. Like, what's, what's this? You know, these inlays and, you know, the beautiful hippie sandwich, you know, just crazy um, Coca Bolo, just beautiful everything. You would say, this is, this is valuable. If you were a strat guy, and you saw Alligator and you didn't know anything about it and didn't know about Jerry, as my buddy Alex Jordan said to me, you'd be like, you know, wow, this thing's seen some use, <laughs> you know? Um, I can tell it's a vintage trap, but man, this thing's seen somewhere. Um, and so you might not think it's maybe as worth as much just off the cuff that way. Um, you know, so that's possible that that went into, into people's heads. Um, you know, obviously we've seen Wolf get played, you know, before it went up, up for its second auction. It had been played by Warren um, at some wonderful shows, you know, in front of the symphonies. So, you know, Brian certainly knew he was getting a, 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 an amazing instrument that can sound incredible. And so maybe there was some unknown element um, because Alligator hasn't been on stage as far as we know since 73. Maybe it will go uh, up in value just once it's back in playing shape. And Rick Turner is going to help me with that. Um, he, he was the one who worked on it with Frank Fuller back in the day. And I know Rick is going to work his magic and it's going to sing, like, as he says, like it did in 1972 in Europe 72 tour. And I think once people hear that thing screaming on stage, <laughs> I think it's probably going to go back up into where it should be, you know, as far as, you know, the value in that way. I will tell you that all the guys at the shop looking at this beautiful alligator sticker, like, how is it not even peeling up anywhere? I mean, it's perfect. The alligator looks perfect. I mean, I have, I have replica of alligators that the alligator looks exactly the same. You know, there's a little bit of a dirt line around it as, as time would have it, right, around a sticker. But it's not peeling up anywhere, you know. <laughs> I don't really understand it. And it is shockingly pristine. What has a special component about it is Jerry kept it, right, that he didn't, he didn't give this one away or anything. Um, so that must have meant it was special to him. We don't know where it was as far as when he was done playing it. When Wolf first came out in uh, August of 73, obviously we do know that the blaster, the Alembic Stratoblaster um, that was in Wolf originally was taken from Alligator as well as the uh, volume pot. And so when you look at the guitar now, it's missing a volume pot. The blaster part was special, and Alex Jordan, who's a big gearhead and um, has been a member of Midnight North and now is going out on his own, great player and a uh, great friend and, and gearhead, he spoke to uh, Alembic about it. Apparently that Stratoblaster was one of the first that was ever made that was put into Alligator. And... Uh, what that does is it just adds a bunch of punch, you know, a bunch of um, power. And a lot of the um, Stratoblasters after that had a switch where you could turn it on and off. But in the case of um, Alligator, it would be just like a trim pot, something on the inside where you could turn it up or, or down. And it's possible on the original one that didn't even have that. It was just full on. And I just don't know because I don't have that actual device. I don't know where it went. Um 
I know it was basically a custom strata blaster that was put in alligator and listening to, you know, Europe 72 and a bunch of the um, clips I've been watching, it certainly has a lot of punch. It's not just a strat going, right? There's something more happening there. I do think the strata blaster is something that, that makes it cut through the room. And, I, and for sure, it is true that it's Jerry's hand and the pick angle and what he was looking for and the tone and the volume, you know, knowing which, you know, pickup to be on and all that stuff. So there is the skill of Jerry for sure. And thankfully, people have studied that and, and are able to do that and then put their own twist on it. Um, but yeah, I think the strata blaster is a big piece there's something about that hot rotted gain that also happened with Jerry's Travis Bean number 12, um, which is what was used on the spring tour of, of uh, 1977. The production model of the Travis Bean 500 only had um, two, two pickups on it, but they made about, um, I don't know if it's 12 or 14, but some number. And just for people like Jerry and like Jeff Beck and other, you know, guitar gods, essentially, um, they made these uh, TB500s, these Travis Bean 500s that had a middle pickup in them, this, this center pickup that was a live wire. And um, to me, it's akin to the Strata Blaster that was happening um, on Alligator. And also that blaster carried over into Wolf. And so I think that might have been one reason he was so into that uh, Travis Bean um, for that period in the mid-70s. And then when you add the buffer, which also gives some punch, um, and that came into uh, um, the second version of Wolf, and then um, Tiger and Rosebud and Lightning Bolt. But when I think of that hot rotted tone, yeah, I'm thinking of that Europe 72, Ramble on Rose, you know, just certain songs that Bertha or the playing in a band or, the, you know, maybe out of a different connotation of cutting through the room, you know, the sound of, of Jerry's tone at that time, it just had an edge. And there's a lot of beautiful, you know, I love the 80s tone and, and even into the 90s on the Cripes. There's, there's some beautiful, rich, lovely sounds, but there's something about that modded Fender twin. Um, there's just something that cuts through, you know, the room. And to me, that's super special. There was also another very, very special guitar, which was a Martin D28 acoustic guitar. There's some speculation as if it, if it might have been played on American Beauty. And Jerry actually used it and played it on the Festival Express tour in 1970, which was um, a tour which Janis Joplin was actually on as well. They talked about it being used in Festival Express. Basically, got on a train in Canada and got on the train, rode across uh, Canada, and on the way, um, played five gigs. They got off and played five gigs. And the footage of him playing in a train car, late night jamming, being silly. It, it, the history of it is, is pretty crazy. And there's a fantastic documentary about... Which is an awesome movie, um, so I recommend people see that. The whole tour. The fact that he kept it is what means the most to me. And that guitar, the Martin D28, was played by Jerry on that tour. Um, we had 20, uh, thirty to 50000 on it, and that ended up selling for, I believe, just over 150000 You can definitely tell why as far as the tone. It's just gorgeous tone. 
even in the notion that it's possibly that it was used on American Beauty or maybe Working Man's Dead or any other of the live shows. And I, I just don't know yet. I'm going to do some research and hopefully talk to people that can tell me. But to, uh, yeah, just to play it on its own without even the Jerry connection, you can tell it's a really fine instrument. I mean, I've heard about pre-war Martins and, and herringbone Martins. So yeah, that one's really special. The market for guitars and and certain areas of the market is really exploding now. And I think part of that is possibly because the guitars and the very, very highest caliber material out there is getting recognition from institutions now. And you know, there have been a lot of exhibitions over the past five to ten years for different bands. Um, there was a fantastic one of the Rolling Stones and another one of Pink Floyd in London, and that's gone. On, both of those have gone around the world. There was one for David Bowie, and then earlier in the year in New York at the Smithsonian, there was um, a fantastic uh, exhibition of rock and roll rock stars guitars, and there were a couple of Jerry's guitars there. So I think that has kind of pushed um, pushed this whole field into the limelight again. So I think because of that, we're noticing that the market is really exploding at the moment. These instruments were made to be played and not hanging on some wall just to be collected. They're supposed to be out there, and, and I think they're living, breathing instruments, and I'm just the steward of them. There's some magic in these instruments. My biggest fear when it went for sale was that it might end up on someone's wall and, and not ever get seen and heard and played. Because the collection world um, would say that you don't mess with instruments, that you keep them as is. Right, like if you think about collectible toys or whatever, you're supposed to keep them in the pa- in the packaging or whatever. One of the things that was crazy to me about that idea was I saw a, a string quartet. Maybe, um, gosh, had to be about um, when I was starting all this about a dozen years ago, and there was a Stradivarius there. And I was thinking, I was like, God, if there's a Stradivarius here, right, this thing's worth a million dollars, and it's being played at this wine and cheese event that I'm at. That tells me that all instruments are meant to be played. You know, there's Tiger, that was going through my mind at the time. Tiger should not be sitting on a wall. It should be being played. And thankfully, um, Jim Mercer has had it out there lately. And, and so I'm so glad for that. This whole journey of having these tones and, and getting to see them played on stage, it, it's, it's living that dream, you know, getting to see this stuff live, things that were happening before I was born. And as far as the Gator, I just cannot wait to see that thing played live because, of course, I was three <laughs> when it was being played. So I never thought I would get to see Alligator played live. And one of the reasons I teared up when you know, that whole thing happened um, with the auction was I know that I'm dedicated to that happening. And so it's going to happen. You know, it's going to get played live and, and it's going to be enjoyed by all of us fans. Mm-hmm. 